0: Advice on growing your integrative practice and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. Today's guest is here to talk about how she's using a holistic approach to treatment of eating disorders. Rebecca Capps is a licensed marriage and family therapist committed to helping clients feel good about their body and happy in life without food guilt or dieting. And I can't wait to hear about this. (laughs) She named her practice Mind-Body Thrive because she takes a holistic approach and believes that in order to thrive, one must consider both the mind and body. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Rebecca. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad we connected because I feel like this is something I hadn't even thought about, a holistic approach to eating disorders. I think that's fantastic.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I really like to help my clients to feel good in their mind and body so that they can thrive in life. And that's why I named my business Mind Body Thrive yes, because that's wonderful. Yeah. Like everyone deserves to thrive regardless of what they've been through.
0: Yeah. So can you
1: share more with, to my listeners more about yourself and your work? Yeah. So I help women to achieve lasting food freedom and body confidence without dieting, you know, or rigid kind of food rules. And these women who come to me, they're people pleasers, they're perfectionists, and they're ruled by the numbers on the scale. And they tend to carry a lot of shame around. Sounds like like most women. Yes, right? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And that was definitely my experience. I I know. Yeah. Uh, I struggled with a really hardcore eating disorder when i was i think i was like 11 or 12 and i it was anorexia nervosa and by the time i was 12 i was hospitalized and nearly died so i have very personal a very personal connection to this cause yeah so what interested you in more of the holistic approach great question thank you for asking so when i went to the hospital obviously they needed to stabilize me medically but I learned nothing about how to be with food or to actually heal from the inside and out. Do you know what like insure is? Like the drink? Yeah, yeah. yeah they just mm-hmm. shove that down your throat and then they're like, you're good to go. You gain the weight. <laughs> so then when I went home, it was like, okay, really, how do I go about doing this? And it was, I would say about a decade long journey until I actually healed. But oh, I would say... Another thing is I was given all kinds of medications. Again, sometimes these things are necessary, but for me, I found like the use of like nootropics and ancient Chinese medicine to be really effective for my healing. And I like to work with my clients and other like naturopathic physicians so that they can achieve similar results because a lot of the people who come to me Even though they might not be aware of it, they likely suffer from like vitamin and nutritional deficiencies that can sometimes display on the surface as being symptoms of anxiety and depression. So it's really important to look at are we low in aminos, zinc, vitamin B, things like that. I, I like to educate clients on how to optimize their health
0: that makes a lot of sense too and and that's of course one reason I love holistic approach because sometimes somebody's depressed it's not necessarily mental health it's a physical health Mm -hmm. response to something or like you said a deficiency somewhere one of the things I like to do and I don't know if you do this as well is some of my young adults I see haven't had physicals you know Mm -hmm. I'm healthy (laughs) okay so so I often recommend that when I first see somebody to for them to get a physical to get all the blood work and just see where they are at with everything
1: I'm so glad that you do that because I see a few young people as well, and that's just the common thing that they say. I'm young, I'm healthy, like right. I'm good. <laughs> oh man, youth. Yeah, and then they're surprised, like, oh, I'm
0: really low on vitamin D. Yeah. So I've had several clients too that are depressed, and we find out they're low on vitamin D, and that really helps once they get that supplement. Oh,
1: so good. I'm, I'm glad that there are more people like yourself out there doing good work.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Appreciate it. So how else do you use a holistic approach to treatment? Great question. So I really like also like things like Ayurveda. I found that. Yeah. So you're familiar, obviously. I have
0: have a guest I interviewed. She's going to be coming on. The episode will be, I think, in July. So yeah, that's going to be a great episode.
1: I'm so excited for that to come out because Ayurveda, it's like one of the most, it's like an ancient medical practice and where you learn how to eat according to your dosha type in Sanskrit, it literally means like the science of life. And it teaches that all illnesses affect the body and the mind. So it should never really be treated in isolation from one another. Because here in America, we subscribe to this like Cartesian dualistic thing where the mind is separate from the body. And I I feel like that couldn't be further from the truth.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. So
1: here's the deal. Like there's kapha, vata, um, and pita, And those are the different dosha types. And the Kapha dosha is like the earth element and people who have maybe larger frames, they gain weight easily and things like that. They mimic that of a binge eater. So I teach them how to learn how to live in their body and to really feel their fullness and to be attuned to it. And then there's the Vata element. And those are the people with maybe smaller frames. They tend to be underweight and dry skin, poor circulation. And when they're out of balance, they can be really anxious and rigid. They tend to mimic anorexic individuals. So that leads me to really work with them on how to recognize and honor their hunger and to allow all kinds of foods. And lastly, there's the pitta, which is the fire element. And that's those are the people who have strong appetites, strong digestion, strong metabolism. And they tend to mimic that of the, like the bulimic profile. So, we work together on distress tolerance skills and all kinds of ways to eat according to their dosha type too. So, I, I thought that's a really fun way to really ground down and learn how to eat through Ayurveda.
0: That's fascinating. I had no idea that you used that. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I have other holistic practitioners who are holistically inclined, naturopathic doctors and Ayurvedic practitioners who I like to work in tandem with. It's nice. It's a nice way to do my work.
0: You have that little quiz on your website. I took the quiz. Oh, you did, nice. But it's very interesting. I think that would be helpful too for listeners to check that out on your website. Because is there all different kinds of uh,
1: profiles on there? Yeah, it's just basically learning how to see if you are basically an intuitive eater or not and what that says about like your personality. So it's important. A lot of people who come to me initially, they're just like they're tracking their macros and they're really rigid in their thinking. And if they go up a pound, it's like life or death. And together through our work, we really look at how can we recognize and honor your hunger and to learn that hunger is a signal from the body and it's actually a good thing. (laughs) It needs nutrition. We need to give ourselves adequate nutrition at regular intervals to assist our body's metabolism and to get out of the mind and just into the body. So yeah, that's kind of what I do. Just teach my clients how to Establish healthy coping skills outside of just food and learning how to intuitively eat.
0: Well, It sounds like changing thinking too about eating and food and mm-hmm. nutrition. Is that a big part of it?
1: Absolutely. I love eating according to the seasons and just getting accustomed to your food, being with the food, going to the farmer's market, knowing the farmers. That's what makes it really fun. It's not something to be scared. You, we've got to look at food as medicine.
0: Yeah. And overall health and wellness. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I think you're right. I think a lot of people get into that thinking about that. It's almost an anxious thinking, isn't it? That You know, about is this low calorie? Is this high calorie? Can I eat this? How much should I eat? And just become obsessive about that. Well, I think it's our culture, too.
1: There are so many different reasons why someone develops an eating disorder. And you're right. There are cultural influences. Family systems plays a huge role. Trauma. A lot of women come to me with heavy trauma. There's this quote. It's, they say, genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. And certainly genetics is a factor. It was for me. My grandmother suffered all her entire life with an eating disorder. And I think they say it's like up to 80% of your risk for developing an eating disorder is due to genetic factors. Okay. So the genetics and your environment. So, I mean, for me, like my family life was really dark. It was traumatic. There was a lot going on. And my eating disorder was just this welcome refuge from my suffering. I had a father who had extreme mental illness and towards the end of his life and leading up to when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer... He suffered from like this extreme paranoia and sometimes like psychosis. Like he even built this like bomb shelter in our house, thinking like the world was going to wow. end. So, oh my yeah, goodness. I mean, it was really wild. And needless to say, it's not popular when you're, I think I was like in fifth grade to tell kids about this bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> so there's that. Obviously, other factors that can contribute is like feeling pressure to look a certain way. Like you said, Chris, with the cultural dynamics Every day that we're bombarded with these messages about beauty and unrealistic body images and fad diets. now we're we're
0: recording here in May, right? And everybody's talking about summer bodies and
1: looking your best and yeah. I cannot even deal with that like beach body. Like everyone has a freaking beach (laughs) body, right? Here's the deal though, Chris, like people who diet are eight times more likely to develop an eating disorder than people who don't. That's incredible. Wow. Diets, I do believe they they create more harm than good because almost everyone who goes on a diet, they're going to regain that weight within a one to five year period. So like obviously dieting by definition is a temporary food plan. It does not work in the long term. That's why I really try to get that into my clients' heads. Like we've, we must reject the diet mentality.
0: That's got to be a huge shift for a lot of clients.
1: It is. It really is. I'm a student of a course in miracles. And there's this one line, it's like a miracle is a shift in perspective. And I I find that to be so true. It's a miracle when the client realizes they have that aha moment of, oh my gosh, my dieting is what's making me sick. It's keeping me in this cycle.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. for them to come to that place and hmm mm-hmm. It really can be like a miraculous, I'm sure, for you to see that. I'm sure that's very satisfying too.
1: It absolutely is. It's an honor. I love the alchemy between the client therapist relationship because we're both changed in the process. It's really um, a life mission here because it's close to my heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So I guess for you, you've had some your own personal experience with eating disorder. Is that
1: something you share with clients? I, I do. I tend to just share if it's in the best interest of the client, but more often than not, they do want to know. I mean, like, how do you know? Like, how the heck do you know this stuff? And why are you doing what you do? So, yeah, I would say I do disclose. I know that we're taught as yes. clinicians to be like, what is it? The tabula rasa. Be a blank slate. Be that cold clinician. But I would say I would like to, I do like to infuse somewhat of my personality into it and to not just be this boring blank slate.
0: Yeah, I don't agree with the blank slate either. I think that really can help you bond with clients too, especially they're like, oh, wait a second. So you've experienced this, so they Mm -hmm. feel less alone Mm -hmm. and you're not some high and mighty therapist on a pedestal.
1: Right, like that top-down hierarchical approach, it it just no longer works. Yeah, I don't think so either. Mm -hmm. I think
0: that's great that you have that as well to share with clients.
1: Thank you, yeah.
0: So how do you help clients feel better about their bodies and stop that guilt with eating?
1: There are so many different ways, obviously like the intuitive eating, it's ironic like just giving yourself unconditional permission to eat because when we say, I can't have the brownies, well, obviously that we're gonna think about the brownies until the cows come home, you know? So yeah. giving yourself unconditional permission to eat and to honor your taste preferences and to notice how they play into your satisfaction. A lot of the health gurus, they're like, Eat all the kale, eat all the kale. Well, if you're if you don't like kale, then find what works for you. You don't have to eat kale all day. So definitely yeah, exactly. finding that satisfaction factor, right?
0: Yeah. So can you share a little more about what intuitive eating is for those that don't know what that means?
1: Yeah, it's just a way to to reject the diet mentality and to get angry at a culture that has given us, it's fed us this myth that we need to always control and listen to the health gurus, quote, health gurus and fitness influencers, instead of tuning into our own body's natural inherent wisdom, because the truth is the body is inherently healing. It wants to heal itself. And it's actually the mind that keeps us stuck. So I help my clients to get out of the cerebral realm. And that's what intuitive eating does too. It's just tuning back in to your body and and developing that body trust and there's one tenant it's like gentle nutrition and joyful movement because a lot of the clients who come to me they're like I need to burn it to earn it and that's also that couldn't be further from the truth we need to focus on what brings us joy in life whether that's how we eat our relationships health is a whole myriad of things really.
0: And from what I've learned with the course I took on it, it was about really tuning into those hunger signals. Yes, the because hunger that Doesn't signals. that? I mean, I th- I think a lot of people get away from that. They don't even know when they're full anymore.
1: Exactly. When they first come to me, they're like intuitive eating. There's nothing intuitive about it. I don't even know what I can trust because my body's telling me is to go eat the whole thing at Oreos. So that's where mindfulness really comes in, and it's not like just sitting on a mountaintop chanting. No, it's like it's breath work. And I love doing breath work actually, because breathing often mirrors like our internal emotional state and truly those who suffer from mental disorders, specifically like anorexia and bulimia. We need that kind of grounding to ground down and be in the moment so that we can tune into our hunger cues. And the body, it it holds on to memories longer than the mind, often in ways that people don't really realize. So again, I can't talk about breath work enough. Like I love alternate nostril breathing and just things that are going to help you to ground down, get centered and to shift the mind. Because again, of course, in Miracles, they talk about like an untrained mind can accomplish nothing.
0: Oh, wow. So that's something to think about.
1: Yeah. So intuitive eating, what else? Uh, I do like impaired in, in with the breath work, infusing like aromatherapy. That can be really nice, like an al- alternate holistic healing modality that can be used to complement what we're doing as therapists. There's just so many great oils. And what plus. do you like to use? So yeah. I love the geranium. It's said to like instill trust, self-trust. Rose is a great heart chakra opener. Patchouli helps with like self confidence. And I mean, bergamot, anxiety and stress, like it goes on and on. Definitely frankincense. (laughs) I know. It's like hard to pick, really. What I want to say, though, as a caveat, is although I do love essential oils, I don't want to get dogmatic in anything that I do. Like I recently, I had a client who connected with a wellness advocate an oil advocate. And this person's this advocate was not, they're not licensed doctors or clinicians. Or aromatherapists. Sometimes. Right. So and it's, they're doing great work, but when they tell clients that they should not seek medical treatment, and oh, it boy. Just, you know what I mean? So that is a problem. <laughs> and I, I just, i this is a new thing for me. I've not dealt with this before and I had to part ways with that client because they were not willing to seek medical treatment when I mean when you're suicidal or oh, hormones, wow. you know what yeah. I
0: mean? So they were they wanted them just to use essential oils.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I always say this to you on this podcast too. It's more of a complimentary exactly
1: right way like to use supplemental. Strategy, supplemental yes absolutely i couldn't agree more with that assertion
0: <laughs> yeah they can help a lot but yeah you got to be cautious with that
1: yeah so not to talk down on any of the wellness kind of advocates but if you are one please just know your limits here just as we as therapists know like we can't dish out like certain types of advice And that's why multidisciplinary treatment plans are so important. Why we need to... I was going to say that. (laughs) Right? Like we need to connect with physicians. That's why I do work with naturopaths and registered dietitians, psychiatrists, because... For as psychotherapists we're helping our clients to address those underlying causes of the eating disorders and to develop healthier coping <laughs> mechanisms for our clients but we can't monitor vitals we can't do any of that stuff like read the blood tests so that's where truly medical doctors and the dietitians and psych- psychiatrists come into play
0: yeah and i think that's a great caution that you said too that as therapists we we do need to have a team being part of that just not just you but there is the medical piece. And even if you like holistic things, it doesn't mean that traditional medicine doesn't
1: have a place. Absolutely. I love that you say that because it does feel, especially in today's society, that we're either in one camp or the other. And it's, there is a middle ground with this. And I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: So how do you use aromatherapy with clients? Do you have it like in your office? I do. do I really, do.
1: And I I send them home with like little rollers and we we (laughs) practice the breath work in tandem with the oils and to just ground down into the moment. It's really nice. I I like it a lot, but I, I don't tell them to ingest it internally or anything of that nature. But it's really nice. And I I always have it going in my office and it's a fun way to utilize holistic healing.
0: Oh, I agree. Totally. Mm -hmm. So I guess thinking of your personal practice, so what holistic strategies or techniques do you use each day?
1: Yeah, each day. Well, I personally love things like nootropics and, and learning about different herbs because that is a great way to, for me, like I I used to be on all kinds of medications and maybe at the time, like when I was 12, that was necessary, but I found that they were giving me a lot of adverse side effects. So I made that switch to nootropics and like medicinal mushrooms, which sounds funny. And this is not to say who, for your listeners, just stop all your medications and. No, you please know, don't. You <laughs> know, please, like, again, I just want to offer that disclaimer. I did that with the help of a trained, licensed physician. But today, I mean, I'm medication free and it feels so, so good. I, I have a lot of energy and it's just wonderful. And I find that breathing and moving the body daily is so incredibly important and eating the colors of the rainbow. So I would say there's not really one thing. One other thing though, too, that I like is, I mean, just nuts and bolts and like cognitive behavioral therapy. I know it might feel boring for some clinicians because it's just psychology 101, but we have to understand how our thoughts impact our emotions and our reality so true. learning mm-hmm. about the cognitive distortions that to me was so foundational people with eating disorders really have a tendency to have black and white rigid thinking and or they have the should statements like i should have eaten that kale i keep going shooting all over yeah themselves. i love that yeah. the shooting all over yourself <laughs> so good so clever <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah, yeah. No, i think it, that has a place too but i think you're right especially in the holistic realm some therapists tend to poo-poo it and who's oh, it's just cbt and who needs that but i think it Again, if we look holistically, it's another part, could Mm -hmm. be another part of treatment. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not using some of, I use it with just about every client Mm -hmm. as part of my dream. even though I do other things holistically, but I think it's so helpful.
1: I do too. I'm curious to know what are some of the modalities that you like to use with your clients? Obviously, CBT.
0: Yeah, that's the um, one I use, but more of the holistic stuff. I, I use yoga in sessions Oh, good for and you. give yoga for homework because it's more subtle yoga. It's more about calming the nervous system. It's mm-hmm. not the physical, get strong abs, yeah. <laughs> those kind of things, but it's more about that gentle movement and breath. And the pranayama, we call it yoga too, the breath work is important because what I found in my experience is that not everybody is helped just by breath work. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you do need the movement. So that's why I moved on to get the yoga certification. Oh, good for um, you. You're certified. Love that. Yep, 200 hours. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been wonderful. That's been the greatest gift I can give to clients. I feel.
1: I um, can see that prana, pranayama. I think prana in Sanskrit, it's, it literally translates to vital life force, pranayama. Yeah. It's a technique of breath control and so foundational.
0: Yes, definitely. I, I can't imagine treating anxiety without it either. Oh, my gosh. I I know.
1: Forget about <laughs> it. Without it, oh, my gosh. Oh, we have to learn how to connect with the body in a joyful, yeah. purposeful way. What activity feels good to you and that you're able to actually enjoy? Life is meant to be enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I like that, too. That's really, I'm sure that's helpful to use with clients. Mm-hmm. And seeing breathwork as the bridge between the body and the mind. <laughs> Absolutely using that. And I use meditation and mindfulness practices, like you said, which includes some grounding too. a lot Mm -hmm. of grounding, especially with
1: trauma. Oh, big time. I know. I love that. Practicing mindfulness, like recognizing that we don't need to attach to every little thought. And when an unwanted thought arises, imagine imagine just like letting it go. And that's just really what it's all about. It's so helpful.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's hard at first for people <laughs> to get to grasp that.
1: But. Yeah, that's why it's a practice. Because sometimes for me, even to this day, it's still hard. Like, But we do this at little increments throughout the day. And that's what makes all the difference. It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It's just practicing breath work one minute a day. And then we build on that.
0: Yeah. And that's what I talk about. Preventative mm. breathing too for clients, not just when you're anxious, but to practice regularly so that it's easier for you to get calm when you need to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, like even just the unsexy things like, oh, are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough hydration? Those are things that really move the needle too.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's why I'm, I think this work is
1: so important. It is so important. We're doing good work, Chris. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh.
0: And I'm glad that connect. That's what the whole point of this podcast is to connect with other people and get that information out there for other therapists too, to know that there's other holistic strategies and techniques they can use to really be most effective.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Love that.
0: So what's a takeaway you could share today that could help listeners who might be just starting their holistic journey as therapists?
1: Yeah, I would say learn how to become the producer of your life's movie instead of just an actor you actually have a lot more power and autonomy and say in your healing journey than you might believe so get really curious about this read the books connect with someone who intuitively feels right for you in your journey. And most importantly, connect with your natural intuition, your body's natural intuition. So basically what we were, we've been talking about the first, I would say the most foundational thing is to connect with the breath and get centered. That would be the takeaway. Yeah. That's perfect. So
0: have I missed anything else you want to share? I don't think so. I think we covered a vast array of topics. We went all over the place. We sure Um. do. This is great. So, what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you?
1: Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram, Rebecca Caps Counseling. Feel free to DM me. You can send me an email at Rebecca at mindbodythrive.com. And my website is mindbodythrive.com, where I have a, a whole host of different offerings for you free meditation. So if you are more into guided meditations, that can be really helpful. And you obviously touched on the intuitive eating quiz and what else? I have a body image handout as well. And
0: I've checked out her website and I highly recommend it. I was just telling her before we hit record that
1: it's well put together. And I think you guys will get a lot out of it. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, Mackenzie Mater. She is such a gem hey. when it comes to creating Shout websites. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I'll be
0: putting all that information in the show notes as well. So you can look up all of Rebecca's information. But Rebecca, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast.
1: Such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris.
0: It seems like we have so much in common. <laughs> we do. <laughs> That's great. And I want to thank you to my listeners for your support and listening today and have you checked out my free email course. It's called Becoming a Holistic Counselor. In this course, you'll, you'll explore different holistic strategies, how to develop your skills as a holistic counselor, and how to manifest the holistic practice of your dreams. Go to com and sign up today. And again, this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.